may have a seat, please, if you would. I want to lead us in a prayer as we begin today. Father, we thank you that we can sing about you and your goodness to us, that uh, for me, the line of that song that may I still be singing at the end of the day, no matter what happens, no matter what comes, he's saying that you reign, that you reign over everything, God. And Father, I just want to come before you now, and I know that in Charleston today, that Emmanuel Church is probably about finished with their service. And that, Lord, there's just so much pain there, so many questions as we wonder where you are and what's going on and what's happening in our world. And Lord, I pray today that uh, for that church and that you would heal, God, that you would allow them to grieve in a way that would lead to healing. I thank you for the positive testimonies that came out as family members offered words of forgiveness. It's literally hours after their loved one had gone to heaven. Courage that took, character. And Lord, I pray that uh, that just would encourage us as well. And when people hurt us, that we would be open and willing to offer forgiveness even when it hasn't been asked for or sought after. Lord, I pray for our nation as we try to just come to grips with what's going on. And we want to blame all of these things and think government can solve it. And Lord, it's a moral issue. And you know that. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a nation uh, to turn to you. As the Bible says, that we would repent and return to you, come to you, and that you would give us your strength, you would give us your guidance, and as we're going to learn today for dads, that you would give us your courage, God. Help us to be strong and courageous. Help us to not be timid, but to realize that you've given us a spirit, power, and love and sound thinking that we don't have to give in to hysteria that we can have sound minds and i pray now that with that thought that you would just guide us now as we talk to dads today as we reflect on fatherhood as we celebrate dads and it's in jesus name we pray amen wow it's been a tough week hadn't it We've looked and seen things that, um, and heard about. It just ravaged us in many ways. And uh, that's new that we needed to stop at the moment and just acknowledge that, right? Uh, I would hope that if something like that happened at our church, that churches around the nation would be praying for us the following Sunday. But it's new that we needed to take time to do that today. So, okay, so let's switch gears now. And in the series, what we've done uh, is we've just saying it's a guy thing as we've started every week with a video with a rule for guys. And let's look at rule number 27, guys. We can agree that all men are created equal, but not all words are created equal. Men, please listen. Let's say that one day you run a marathon, slay a grizzly, and uproot a tree with your manly bare hands. But at the end of the day, you say to your wife, 
dear. Our little boy is really starting to blossom. You have completely kneecapped an entire day of manliness. Men do not say the word blossom. Some other words that you should avoid at all costs are okie dokie, delightful, peachy, lovely, pizzazz, hooray, and treat. Ladies, while we're on the subject, sensitive and man should also never be used in the same sentence. Call us crazy for having all these rules, but never call us sensitive. Why? It's a guy thing. All right, guys, right? stereotypes being shared there. Uh, so the series, it's a, it's a series for guys, by guys, about a guy named Samson. And we're looking at this guy named Samson, and, and so as we look at him, we're learning from him. And today what we get to do is we get to look at his dad and learn from his dad and the role he played in Samson's life. And I just say this right as we begin to, if there was ever a time when men and dads needed to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to really just kind of stand up and be men, it's our day. This is the day right now. We're increasingly told that gender doesn't matter, but it does. And dads, what we want to do today is we want to celebrate your crucial role, the role you play in the family and in our society as well. You need to know today that my desire, as I was planning this service, as I was looking at it, what I was going to talk about today is my desire is to build you up, to build you up as we talk about a man's strength. So we're going to look at, in just a few moments, the strength that a dad must have if he's going to be able to play out his role is so crucial in our society. Now, I spent a few moments this week trying to get you know wrapped around this whole idea of being strong, and so I watched some YouTube videos of the world's strongest men competition. Okay, they're on YouTube. In these contests, they have these men where they compete against each other just to prove how strong they are. They do things like turn cars over. They have a series of cars and run through them, turning them over so you can get through the gauntlet the fastest. They have this contest where they toss full beer kegs over like a pole vault kind of height pole behind them. They even carry refrigerators on their shoulders to see who can win the race. But the most fascinating thing to me was when they pull semi-trucks, okay? And so let's watch this clip. It's from the 2014 World's Strongest Man Contest. We're going to look at Brian Shaw as he pulls 24 tons of truck down a track. Okay, let's watch. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome wow. from the United I tell States you what, of America. All sorts Brian of benchmarks Shaw. are being wiped out in this year's World's Strongest Man. Brian Shaw, the defending champion, only lies in third place. Behind Sejuna Sabiscus and Thor Bjornsson. And again, as in the barrels, he needs the big result. And look at the muscles on that upper body working hard here to break the inertia. His best part of 200 kilograms. That's the, the size of two very big men. He's enormous, Brian Shaw. Massive arms, massive hands, and he's putting them to good use at the moment. And look at the speed of his feet. They are getting faster and faster. He is still powering this out. 43-35 from Terry Hollands. He was worried about what Brian Shaw could do, and rightly so. We are going to end up with a winning time in the 30s, are we? 40.56. 
This is ridiculous. It's almost like there is no added weight at all. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. See, these guys just keep me stronger, and every year they have to add more. There was eight tons more this in this contest than the year before. That's why they're talking about the more weight that he had to carry. Now, as fascinating as that was to watch these videos all week, that's all I did. Uh, <laughs> is the, que the question is, for me, is what good does it do to be able to pull a truck with a rope? Uh, honestly. After you get over the awe of what you see and what's happening, he's able to do that. It's pretty impractical, right? Being able to pull two semi-trucks with a rope. Oh, yeah, I know Brian can do that when you get in a, you know, a pinch and you need him. See, they'll never need to be this strong in real life. You know, they spend, I, I watched some videos about how hard he has to work and putting all the time he puts in at the gym, the special diet he has. He eats up to six pounds of meat a day. Wow. He weighs somewhere between, you know, 400 and 450, depending on where he is in his, you know, regimen. In order to do these things, all this work, to do things that just aren't even practical. Now, just all, does all of this bulk and does all of this strength really make a difference in the lives of others? And out of fear, I'm not going to answer that, okay? <laughs> so he might hear that and come after me in some way. But in our series, what we're trying to do is we want to be very practical, we want to challenge men to be strong in areas that really matter, okay? Really matter. We want to challenge men to live out the strength that the Lord gives them every day so that as fathers and husbands and sons, we can be strong in the areas that are most significant. So if you want to grab your message notes, look like this, pull them out right now, turn in your Bible to Judges chapter 13, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Joshua, Judges, Exodus 13, and we're going to be, um, Judges 13, we're going to be looking at this story, backing up a little bit from where we've been in our series. We saved this for today as we talk about Samson. I just want to begin uh, by reading verses 1 through 5. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And so here's what we've learned over the last couple of weeks. Mark shared this the first week. I reemphasized it again last week. You want to fill these in. This is what the potential that Samson had. He had first, he had a great calling. And the calling was to be a Nazarite, which meant no, nothing from the vine, uh, raisins, grapes, alcohol, nothing, grape juice, nothing from the vine. Second, he couldn't touch anything dead. Last week, we saw in his downfall that he did both of those, and that's what led to his downfall. And then third, he was forbidden to cut his hair. And you know, next week, we get to look at this whole scene between Samson and Delilah, and he gets a haircut that costs him dearly, okay? And, but we also see God's grace in this moment of his greatest weakness. But he was also given a great mission, second, to deliver the Israelites from the enemy. And so that's what a judge did. They were a deliverer. In this case, as it said there, that was the Philistines. And then third, he was given great strength. But what we jumped over in all of that, and I asked Mark to do that in the first week again as well, is that he also had a great family. So you want to write that in. He had a great family. 
And his father, Manoah, was a great dad. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Samson's story, and we're going to learn what his dad did to help develop the strongest man in the world. Now, dads, we just got to know, just right up front, I just want you to know, we need you. Our culture needs you. Your family needs you, and our church needs you. Not like the message that we receive continuously. We've been taught that we really don't have the influence that we once had, but it's just not true. I love in the Union newspaper yesterday, the editorial board that they put together where they write occasionally about you know, current events and things we need to know. In yesterday's Union newspaper, it said this, talking about how much we need dads. He says this, the role of dad should not be downplayed, but should be celebrated. In the article, it says this, one evening after watching Homer Simpson wreck the family car at a monster truck rally and plunge on a skateboard into Springfield Gorge, my six-year-old son turned to me and asked, why are dads on TV so dumb? <laughs> so this writer goes on to say this, they're kind of stupid and they're not needed. New York Times bestselling author and social philosopher Michael Gurian told the Deseret News regarding fathers in the media, he says this. So here's what happens then because of that view from media. So the message to the young people is that males are not needed or that dad is not needed. That's dangerous because it's going to set up guys who will not take care of their kids and kids who will not respect or understand the males and women who will say, ah, they're not needed anyway. But of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Dads are indeed integral to their children, and they're needed. Josh McDowell studied culture and studied and did a, you know, looked at a cultural study that was done about the power of dads, and he says this. There's one thing that overrides the peer pressure of middle school, the hormones of high school, the temptation of internet porn videos and the threat of college immorality that causes parents panic. And they found one thing, one thing, only one thing that overrides all of that. What is the one thing? A loving, intimate relationship with their daddy. A loving, intimate relationship with their daddy. Guys, we need you. Our families need you to be engaged. And see, I believe that what we're going to look at today, I believe if Manoah could walk onto our stage today and he could talk to us today, that he would say, here are three things I did, dads, that helped me become a strong dad. And that's what I want to look at, three things. First, the number one thing he did is this, that a strong dad needs is to ask God for help. Ask God for help. That's what Manoah did first. Now, I think that when Manoah first found out that he was going to be a father and he was going to have a son, his first thought, because I've been here, okay, his first thought was something like, well, I, I'm going to be a dad. <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, so proud. His first thought was pride. The second thought was awe. I'm going to be a dad. You know, he kind of that kind of expression. But I think the third thought that ran through his mind and through his veins was terror. Oh, my word, I'm going to be a dad. What do I do? I've never even changed a diaper. What do I do? That was me when I became a dad. See, I can't know for sure what Manoah went through, but since he's a guy, and it, since it's a guy thing, 
I think it was something kind of like all three of those that he might have felt when he found that he was going to be a dad. But what Manoah did then is he modeled a godly response to what he was feeling, and he turned to God, and the first thing he said to God was, you're going to have to help me with this. I can't do this without you. That's what he says in verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, and saying, so notice he's got a prayer time. He's got a language. He's got intimacy with God. Please let the man of God come back again and give us more instructions <laughs> about this son who is to be born. How many times have you been like over the crib and you can't get the, you know, to stop crying? <laughs> I needed to know what to do right now and I don't know what to do. But basically what he's saying is, God, I need help. I can't do this fathering thing without you. Maybe part of it was that other than just raising a child, he knew that his child had been called to uh, be a difference maker, to stand out, to have a mission, to live out the Nazarite vow, and to stand for God in an anti-God culture. That's maybe one of the reasons that he was so insistent that God give him help. See, Manoah knows how hard it's going to be. They're going to raise a son to live up to the Nazarite vow in the Philistine culture. As it was influenced to, um, the, the, in the Philistine culture, there was no one God. Remember last week I talked to you that there, you know, they did child worship, I mean, child sacrifice. Uh, it was extremely immoral. And so here he's going to raise a son in the, in the, with the influence of that culture to live by God's standards. And so he wanted help. So in, what he did was he prayed a prayer of desperation. Prayer of desperation. See, I say it this way. Desperate people pray desperate prayers and that's where he found himself last summer we went through our babylon series and i remember the week that kim got to speak and she was talking about daniel and his prayer and she said something like this she said effective prayer is not just a matter of discipline but effective prayer is a matter of desperation that's when we know that we really come to god that we're desperate and some of us we never pray to god unless we're desperate but if we realize that all prayer is desperation, it would cause us, I think, to come to God more often. So desperate dads say, here's what they say. I'm on my own. I mean, say, on my own, I can't do this. I can't be the dad that God wants me to be. I can't be the dad my kids need me to be unless God comes in and gives me the strength and, as we're going to look at next, the wisdom. That's the second thing that... Uh, Manoah asked for it, and strong dads do as well. They cry out to God for wisdom. They cry out to God for wisdom, for guidance would be another way to say that. I think that's what you'll have on the screen. They cry out to God for guidance. So when Manoah learns he's going to be a father, the second thing he does, and guys, this is going to be really hard for you to hear. The second thing he does is he stops and asks for directions. <laughs> Manoa, you're oh Manoa, what kind of you know example are you setting for the rest of us? You know, anyway, so here's what it is: nine through twelve. God answered Manoah's prayer, and the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, The man who appeared to me the other day is here again. Manoah ran back with his wife and asked, Are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. So Manoah asked him, When your words come true, so notice this, it wasn't if your words come true, right? 
when you so he's got faith as well. Uh, this is some things I you know, you can look at this man named Manoah. One, it, it said that he and his wife were not able to have a child, meaning they weren't able to get pregnant. I've been in that situation, so they were in the waiting mode. And what happens is, is that as they're waiting on the ability to have children, finally they're able to have them. But what we see in Manoah is he hadn't distanced himself from God during the waiting season. Instead, the waiting season had brought him closer to God so that when God's finally showing himself, he was there emotionally and spiritually to be able to come to God. And guys, this is a lesson for us because we, sometimes we enter into these waiting seasons that can be incredibly long. Not just guys, all of us. But he was developing his faith in the waiting season so that when he did hear from God, he was ready for that. So Manoah asked him, when your words come true, what kind of rule should govern the boy's life and work? Now he's saying, he's admitting right there that not only do I need help, but I need knowledge and I need guidance. See, I don't know if you're like me, dad, men, but I can't tell you how many times someone will come up to me and they'll ask me if I need help. And my next phrase is, as if I've got it memorized, no, I've got it. No, I've got it, right? No, I've got it. And Manoah was a guy who's willing to put aside his pride. The pride would be to say, I have to know it all if I'm a dad. Put aside his pride and humble himself and say, I don't know it all, and I need help. And so I'm asking God for guidance. Because Manoah's saying, he said, look, to the man of God, he said, I'm going to be responsible for raising a boy who's called to have a mission to change the world. Now, we know in our day, especially when we look at Ephesians 2.10, that everyone who is in Christ has been given a mission to change the world. And so we all have that as our challenge as dads. We are raising children that God wants to use to change his world. And so he's saying to himself, I'm in charge of raising a son who's going to be significant in leading God's people out of captivity. So God, I need you to show me what to do. I need your guidance. Instruct me in how you want me to raise my son in a way that impacts culture rather than being influenced by culture. Influ impacts it rather than being influenced by. And so, Dad, we have the similar challenge that he had in his culture as well when it comes to raising God-honoring children today. See, Samson was set apart from, I'll say, conception. He was set aside from conception to be the one who would come to deliver his people. And just know that when he was born, as I've already said, he would be born into a culture that was influenced by, primarily by the Philistines who didn't believe that there was one God over everything. There were many gods who had all kinds of other beliefs about how they lived. In fact, there was no authority, no authority. And so that's the world in which he was raised. They openly and brazenly mocked anyone who would say that there's a God and the God has rules. And so that God wants me to keep those rules, therefore I'm going to do them, even though everybody else thinks I'm strange when I do that. See, because It's the Nazarite vow. Just think about it. He's set aside for God. And no one else was around them in culture at that point. And so he is definitely going to stand out. He's going to look different than those around him. And so Manoah knew, hey, you know what? When this happens, we're going to need some help because... It's, they're going to have lots of people are going to come against us, ridicule us, 
challenge us, maybe even persecute us because we have faith in God. This just seems so relevant to it, doesn't it? It just seems so relevant to it. I think where we see increasingly see culture go today. That as we, as dads, we're raising children that would, we would want them to stand up and stand out in a way that would be true to their calling and to their faith. And I'll just say this, dads, this is where the challenge is. And I'm raising teenagers. And so I didn't understand this when I only had infants and toddlers and grade schoolers. But you really understand when you have teenagers how difficult this is, how difficult parenting actually is. It's a breeze up till then. Actually, it feels like, even though I know it was hard. <laughs> but when you get to the teenage phase and your children don't want to stand out, they want to blend in. And your call is to help them stand out, not to blend in. And so when you're guiding them, if you're guiding them in ways that are going to lead them to blend in, you're actually short-circuiting what God wants to do in your children by causing them the grief and the pain and the awareness that they're different and to have to stand up inside for their faith as they realize that they've been called to be different in some way. Manoah says, God, you've got to show me. You've got to show me what to do. And that's what guys, strong dads do as well. They say, God, show me what to do. Okay, number three, strong dads ask God for courage <laughs> because that's what we're going to need. We're going to need courage in order to do this. Now, we don't know, but I, just, I don't think I said this last week, but I wanted to bring it up to this week to help us to understand a little bit that Somewhere, as we got into, you know, chapters, out of chapter 13, which is all about his birth, into chapter 14, a lot's happened between 13 and 14, and he's somewhere between 18 and 20, Samson is, okay? So all of 14 and 15 is the testosterone of a young man. And so as we're looking at this, uh, we need to realize that and realize that the, the stakes got even higher as Manoah was being challenged by a young man with testosterone in his veins, who really wanted to individuate, who really wanted to be his own man. And Manoah had to stand up to him with courage. So let's look at this. Romans 4, I mean, Judges 14, 1 through 3. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. We had a lot of fun about this last week. We said this is where the doors got their you know, concept of the song. Uh, when they, you know, I see you, I want you. Now, no, I, see, I see you, I want you. Now tell me your name. There we go. There we go. The words of that song. Now get her for me, his father and mother objected. Isn't there one woman in our tribe? Notice they stood up here. Isn't there one woman in our tribe or among the Israelites you could marry? So you know, of all the people, because it was against God, not only was he going to violate um, his vows as he did this, but when he realized that God had given them clear direction that they were not to intermarry with the people of the land. But he was looking at this woman to intermarry, and so that's what they're saying here. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me, she's hot. So his dad had the wisdom and courage, okay? Woo, dads, wisdom and courage, okay? It takes both here to stand up and say, son, you're marrying outside the faith. This goes against everything that you've been taught. 
This goes against everything that God has called you to. You have been set apart from birth. That took a lot of courage. That took a lot of wisdom. But he loved his son too much not to say the truth. But Samson Samson didn't listen. And what Samson did was he chose compromise over commitment. He chose compromise over commitment. Dad, you need to know that leading your children down the best path will almost always at some point be the path of the most resistance. When you're wanting to lead them down the best path, the God's path, that will almost always at some point be the path of most resistance from your child or from culture as they're wanting to fit in. It's going to take courage for you to stand up to your son or daughter when they want to come to you and tell you that they're going to live in a way that's outside of your values as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's going to take courage for you to stand up and disagree when your children are choosing compromise over commitment. So dads, just listen to me. When, when you let your children make uncontested choices and decisions, you're basically abdicating the most important role you have. You're abdicating it. Your kids need you to speak up and they need you to say the truth. And then they need you to let go and make their choice. It got really hard all of a sudden. <laughs> you think it was hard up until now? They need to let go and make their choice. What we need is Proverbs 1-7 in our mind. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So we have to, as a dad, realize that it, I don't have to be afraid of my children. I don't have to be afraid of culture because I have declared that I am fearful of the Lord. It doesn't mean we cower before God. It means that I worship him. I honor him. That I want to live inside his boundaries because I realize that living outside of his boundaries, that's a scary place. So I'm going to live inside the boundaries that he has given. And so what, that's, you're, what you do when you do this is you show your kids who you look up to. That's what you do. Who you, are, who you are looking up to for your wisdom and courage, and your kids see that. And then they may not grab it right now, but down the road you've planted seeds so that at some point they will come and say, now where did my dad look to when he was struggling? Oh, my dad looked to God. My dad honored God. My dad cried out in desperation. I've seen him do it many times. My dad cried out for guidance and wisdom. I don't know about you, but if I go and look at my journals, most of my journals are desperate prayers for wisdom. Almost every desperate prayers for wisdom. And that's what he was doing. And then he saw also that his dad was one to cry out and act in courage and strength. Cry out and act with courage and strength. Now, I just want to kind of guide us to a point, and I'm going to take care of some dads today. I'm going to care for some dads today because I was really... You know, processing this whole idea because Samson was raised in the right home with the right guidance, with the right parents, and he made the wrong choice. Many of you dads are in the same place. Many of you dads, you would say, you know, I did everything I could. I still am doing everything I can. 
and my children are making the wrong choice. See, when I began studying Samson and I was, you know, working on this series and I knew that we were going to talk about this on Father's Day, I was very discouraged at first because most of the the stuff I read and the commentators that I looked to, they talked about the mistakes Manoah made. And I knew that I couldn't come to Father's Day and talk to dads about the mistakes that Manoah made, highlighting their mistakes as well. What I realized because they were blaming Samson's choices on his parents. See, they are part of the person that Samson became. There is no doubt. I just, you know, tell my kids all the time that they're going to be able to go to counseling someday for the way I parented them and the way I thought was right. <laughs> it's just the truth. I'm doing what I think is right. They're going to go to counseling to deal with how they felt about that and then how they can be stronger after that. But ultimately, this is the truth. Samson's parents were not responsible for the choices Samson made. He is. It's the job of the parents to pave the way to God, but we can't force our kids to stay on the highway. It's the job of the parents to pave the way to God, but we can't force our kids to stay on a highway. There comes a point in every parent's journey when the loving thing to do is to let go And let your children make their own choices and their own decisions, even when they go against your values. Even when. And this is what some you know some dads need because your parent, your children have walked away from your faith. They've walked away from your values. They may not be living the kind of life that you wished they would, that you taught them to live. But know this, Dad, you are not ultimately responsible. You're only responsible for up to that age when you let go and let them fly into the world. And Dad, you may need to understand this truth. You want to fill in this blank here. The best of dads are still guaranteed to raise a child who is a sinner. So all children are what? Sinners. You got it. We're all going to make our choices because we all have the desire to fulfill our flesh in our own way. You can be the best parent in the world, and at the end of the day, you're still going to raise a sinner. It's just reality. See, when Samson was young, and I'm just thinking about right now, I have a 21-year-old today, turned 21. When Samson was young, his parents could control his decisions and choices. But when he grew up, They had to let go of him and turn loose of him so he could choose his own way. The unfortunate thing is that Samson got older. He didn't choose to stay on the path that had been paved by his parents. So, Dad, just listen to me. You're going to face difficulty in your parenting. And the way that you handle it will model for your children. You know, Samson ultimately came back to a place at the end of chapter 15, where he lived for God. He lived within the boundaries for 20 years. And he did that, I believe, because of the modeling that was made by his father, Manoah. And so I'm going to give you, what I'm going to give dads today is this is your gift to you from me. This is your man card today, okay? It's in your program. Every dad has, I don't know how many is in your program. I had two in mine. They must have thought I really need a double man card today. Uh, and so this is your man card today. And so uh, on the back is a man card verse for you, okay? It's from 1 Corinthians 16, 
verses 13 through 14 from the ESV, and this is what it says. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And then I love this. Let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do be done in love. And so, Dad, this is what we want you to know today. As I said earlier, my goal today was to encourage you by looking at a life of a man named Manoah who did what he could. He did what he could. And then he had to let go of the outcome. Did what he could. And he let go of the outcome. And what we want you to know today, Daz, is that you are valuable. You're valuable to your family. You're valuable to your church family. And honestly, we don't tell you that enough. We don't build you up enough. We don't tell you things enough. And oftentimes what you hear is what you're not doing enough of. That's what you mostly hear. And today what we want to do is we want to say thank you for your work. Thank you for your faithfulness to influence your family in the best way you can to honor God and to guide your family to follow him. So right now, what I want to do is I want to honor all dads. So dads, stand up. Doesn't matter where you are in parenting, even if you're expecting, your wife is expecting, stand up. We want to honor you. I mean, look at the room. Look at the room. This is amazing. Woo! You are awesome. Oh, my word. I think at least half of the room are men. On Father's Day, you get your wish and you came to church. All right, I love it. Thank you. Go ahead and have a seat. I want to pray for you and we'll close our service. God, I thank you for every man who stood. And I know that, uh, that we have the gamut here uh, from new, new dads, expecting dads, wannabe dads, uh, that we have the gamut of dads who are new and have infants and they're in the wonderland of magic right now. And we have dads who are in the harder seasons. We have dads who have disabled or handicapped children. We have dads here who have children who have gone outside of the value zone. We have dads here who have hurt them. We have dads here who have rejected them. God, I pray for every dad here that you would fill them now. Fill them with your love. That they would rest, lean back in the arms of Jesus. And they would feel the grace that you have for them. They would feel the love that you have for them. That they know that that before they were a dad, they were a son of the Most High God. And they're still a son of the Most High God. And that they would relish that. They would just declare today that they fear you. They want to live within your boundaries. No matter what their children do. No matter how they turn out. They would be able to look back and say, I did my absolute best. God, I want to pray for the dads here today that um, are coming to this place and they've never had a faith. Maybe their faith is new. And uh, so they're, they're looking back and they're thinking of the things they wish they would have done before now. And I just want to say to every dad who's looking back, stop it. Look right now. Look right now where you're at and say, I'm going to graft a new tree in my, a new branch in my family tree, and that new branch is going to be a tree of life, and I'm going to start today by living out the lessons that we've learned from Manoah, where I'm going to cry out to God for help, I'm going to cry out to God for guidance, I'm going to cry out to God for courage, and I'm going to 
just burn through grace like jet fuel because I know I need it. Father, I thank you for them. And Lord, I just want to stop and pray for our single moms who have to carry the role of both and just pray that you would encourage them today. I, I just want to just be really sensitive and pray for those who have lost their dads. I know that's true for me, my wife. They feel the, lo- the loneliness. I pray for those today who had dads that were abusive, hurtful, harmful. That they won't be held captive by resentment. That they would be able to move forward into healing and to wholeness. And we just thank you so much, Jesus, that there's hope in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.